welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin-Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as we discuss their journey with their voice and how they use it to support their passions and professions in media, education and the performing arts. This week, I have the pleasure of introducing one of my teachers to the Vocal Freedom Podcast, Masami Covey founder of the Zenshin Institute, based near Denver in Colorado in the US. Masami is a health intuitive, a wellness practitioner who helps people all over the world to become experts of themselves, to help them come home to themselves, overcoming that which holds them back to address any issues that may be throwing their mental, physical or spiritual wellness off balance. I've recently completed her brilliant course, The Anatomy of Your Cosmic Flow, which over seven modules has provided so many brilliant insights and new areas of interest for me. And lots of our work, although different, comes from the same longing to help the whole person in front of us. Um, Asami was born and raised in Japan in a bicultural family, and she draws extensively from her blend of East meets West cultural, linguistic and energy healing experience. She has expertise in many areas, including Ayurveda, the ancient holistic approach to bringing balance and wellness to your life. She's a functional nutritional therapist, as well as being a certified yoga therapist and trainer. And she knows a whole lot more about a whole lot more, I'm sure. I particularly love how she describes us human beings as all being made up of stardust. So I'm thrilled to learn more from Asami today about her journey with her voice. Thank you so, so much for being here. And perhaps you could start by telling our listeners a bit about your inspiration, your motivation behind the work that you do. Well, thank you so much. Across the big pond between us, Lee. Um, It's really nice to speak with you. And thank you for um, taking my course and hopefully... Uh, you're using it as your daily practice. That's the most important thing. You know, Mm -hmm. simple steps many times, right? That's what we're here to do. And I think we, um, the inspiration from my work too, is that we tend to learn things and then go through some certification programs, even like a weekend courses or whatever. And, you know, I was one of those people that had boxes and boxes of certifications. I was always very, very interested in a lot of things. Um, I've been intuitive all my life, just like all of us are. It's just a God-given gifts, right? That we're, we come into this world intuitive. And also we come into this world as teachers. But our job as true teachers is to become students. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was good at. But the fact was I was a good student of seekers, I was seeking every weekend, every every month, I was seeking for something more, more, more. There's got to be an answer to this. There's got to be a better way to do this. Or, oh, this person has something interesting. So it was like I was perpetually inside the candy store. And I would try this one kind of candy and I look to the side and I see another one and I got to try that one too. And then later on, I just looked up and actually looked around the room and realized that, oh my gosh, I'm just sitting in, in midst of all these candies. And I was never going to stop, you know, I, I couldn't stop because it became addiction, kind of an, uh, an addiction for me. That was the first awakening that I had was, wait a minute, why am I constantly seeking outside of my home, meaning outside of my own inner being? I came in here fully equipped to awaken who I am, to ascend as who I am, to truly tap into my inner knowing and my inner wisdom, but I've been ignoring that and I was seeking it outside of myself. So I think the point when I woke up was when I was diagnosed with MS and it was um, a decade ago. And by then I had been working with my clients for 10 years with energy medicine. I had a lot of clients with uh, cancer background. So a lot of women will come and see me after their breast cancer diagnosis or surgeries. And then I started working with people in wheelchair bounds. So they were um, paraplegics or quadriplegics, or they were born without limbs. And I started working with them among other clients too, but they were a big majority of my clients. And what they taught me was they're just this deepest desire to come back to their bodies that were 
they considered it to be somewhat broken or definitely had a lot of scar tissues. And so I was very good at bringing them home, but because I was so involved in their healing and involved in their journey, I had forgotten about myself. And I wasn't eating correctly. I was barely taking the break to go to the bathrooms even. Um, I was barely drinking water. It was a complete crazy work hours that I was doing. And when I got diagnosed with MS, it did not surprise me whatsoever. And it didn't even scare me. And the doctor that told me was tearing up. He was our neighbor that told me and said, you know, you, you have... Um, the brain scan shows that, that there are lesions starting to show up and with your age and then being female, um, this is the diagnosis that, that we've come up with. And he consulted with two radiologists because he didn't want to tell this to me because he's a good friend of ours and a neighbor, but he had to finally say it. And then he had tears coming up. But I just looked at him and I actually said, it's okay. It'll be okay because I'm not going to let that label stick to me. Mm-hmm. And we walked away and my husband and I made the commitment finally to, to start focusing on our inner beauty, which is this physical body that houses the soul. That is so important that we, I could no longer ignore it. I thought that I could ascend it. You know, I could go beyond it. I could just um, leave this physical body behind and be whatever, quote unquote, spiritual being. Mm. But that's not why I came into this world in this body form. And it was a very humbling um, journey for me. So, and I'll just quickly give you the, basically a year after I got diagnosed with MS, I was on crutches and I, you know, I could barely move. Um, Tremendous symptoms from headaches to just pain, just constant pain that I could barely move. And then um, a year later, I got hit by an armored truck. So an armored truck is, you know, not just a regular car accident. So it totaled my car, like hitting a a side of a brick is what happened. And that led me to even further um, difficult, difficult journey. I know what it is to have a chronic pain. I know what it is to uh, unable to wake up in the morning, or I mean, can't, you're awake, but you can't get out of bed. I know what it is to just completely lose, it feels like lose control of your body from neck down, you know, but I also realized I couldn't lug around my body with my head only. Yes. So it's been a humbling experience, but I don't know, I answered your question, but let's stop there. <laughs> no, it's great. It's a fantastic insight into sort of what led you into, um, well, your practice now, I guess, as you do it. So these seven Bs, I don't necessarily want to talk too much because I'd love people to go back and do this course with you, you know. But I think that for me, the biggest takeaways are the areas that I just hadn't really looked at before. The bile, wow, who knew it was this golden elixir that, you know, you can be so much more aware of once you've tuned into it and that you can be aware of when it's not working so well and when it is and how it shows up. So is this a big part of your job in the nutritional side of your work in helping people understand their bodies better, really? Yeah, I think, you know, what we've created is kind of a, I call it the three Ds or it could be four Ds, but it's, um, we've created a duality, you know, between the mind and the body. We've um, created divisions between different organs, right? So this is why we go to the specialists that you go and see the liver doctor, let's call it, I don't Mm -hmm. know what they're called. Um, (laughs) You go see the, you know, stomach doctor, right? Or you go see neurologists for your brain issues and so on and so forth. So we're just cutting ourselves into small pieces. That's the Newtonian thinking towards the body, that we are collection of different parts um but we're like it's just like you spread yourself in the room with different organs that are not even communicating with one another but that doesn't it doesn't work like that Mm. and so this was several years ago I had this like a crazy aha moment because I had been working with clients on functional nutritional therapy work because I shifted my work from only energy movements yoga breathing chakra work to I have to bring the nutrition aspects into this because if we don't feed this physiology, you're not going to be completely as a one human being, Mm. the whole person. I couldn't address that whole person. 
And um, that's what zenshin means, by the way. It's the whole person, right, yeah. in Japanese. Um, so about four years ago now, it just I had this like an aha moment. One morning I woke up and I was like, wait a minute. Almost everyone that I work with is having or all having some kind of a liver congestion and their bile is not flowing through their bodies. So what that means is that the bile is what emulsifies the fats you're eating. Without the bile emulsifying the fats, you don't create healthy hormones, okay? Your hormones are very much connected to how you digest your fats. But then the bile also collects pathogenic things from viruses to microbes to, to parasites, you name it. All those bad things get collected and cleaned out by the bioflow. And then so I, then I started to notice that the, if the person wasn't having a good bioflow, they were getting constipated or having a diarrhea, or they were just having all kinds of skin issues, eye issues, floaters in their eyes, ears were getting ringing in the ears. And, and the spiritual world were just ignoring this. And they were saying, oh, we're just having kind of energy flowing through. And that's why we're having a ringing in the ear and a floaters. And we're getting constipated and we're having all these digestive issues because we're spiritual beings and we are trying to leave our bodies. And I thought, no, that's not what we should be doing. We need to come back in here, create the vessels that are cleared and open so we can bring the cosmic flow through us. And I noticed that you're starting to use that word cosmic flow in your podcast. So I love it. I know. Because I can't help it now. I, I yeah. used to talk about flow and flow state as a condition. You know, we talk about the nervous system with singers because, you know, you're like stage anxieties, you know, lots of things in my work in this way. And uh, so I always talk about getting in the flow or getting in the zone and now I'm just like totally embracing, use your cosmic flow, baby. You know, it's just like, and sort of allowing yeah. it not, not to like let people think that I've gone too woo-woo. I don't mind if I do, but at the same time, they might. So I have to be. Oh, you know, I think that we need to stop calling it woo-woo. I know. I don't we like body, that. We're body, mind, spirit. You yeah, know? And we if are. anybody says to you that you're just the body, then you know what? Maybe you should just say, have a nice day yeah. and walk away because that is, that's a total misnomer. It's true. You know, or if you just say, I'm just my mind and I just have to do this mind over matter thing. Um, it's all in your head. Okay, well, you know what? You should walk away from that person also. Um, you really need to come back to the fact that you are mind, but you're also the body, and then you're also the spirit, and then you're also the microbes, and you're also the flow of the golden elixir of the bile that's collecting your microbes and then also clearing things out for you. And, you know, if you're having any digestive issues like diarrhea or constipation, so you go back and forth or distension after you eat certain things, you've got to look at your bile. But also, if you're having hormonal issues and in your 20-something, you're a teens or you're in your 50s, you're in your 60s and you're having hormonal dysregulations and your bone density is going down because your estrogen production has you know, increased or, or you're having PMS and you're a teenager, okay, your hormone is needing some support, but you can't address your hormones till and until you work on the golden elixir called the bile. And you know, I just happened to get a download one day. Yeah. Basically, the universe said, don't look at the bile as a disgusting thing, even though the English language has turned the bile into a, something that's disgusting, something that is gross, something to be avoided. Um, my inner wisdom said, you need to start teaching about this. You need to teach the importance of this and you shall call it the golden elixir. So I was like, <sighs> okay, right. I'm going to do that. This. I love that. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. And yeah. I, it does impact your voice mm. because if you are not digesting fats really well, that is going to impact the lining of your lungs. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to say this again. Fat digestion is one of the most important things you can focus on in terms of your cellular health mm. and your cells in your lungs will get inflamed and you're going to get bronchitis or any kind of itises, or you may have asthma. You may start to begin to notice your voices are crackly or they don't have the full depth because you're not able to breathe down into the third lobe or all, you know, all three lobes on one side and the two lobes on the other. 
them. You need to look at what's going on with your bile flow because that's what's going to help with your lung health. Okay, so there is a connection to your inner voice, whether you're a singer or you're a poet or whether you are out there speaking up on the podium about something that you are passionate about or you're doing the podcast like you do. You've got to create the strong and healthy, flowing, beautiful bile so that that can that can impact your overall energetic field of your voice. Wonderful, wonderful. That is amazing. I love that. And I tell you, another thing I learned, a little bit of Japanese, was hara. I'd love you to talk about that if you wouldn't mind. Sure. You know, maybe <laughs> I'll go round about answering that. Um, the word hara means literally gut, right? right? But in Japanese language, we have a lot of words that starts with hara or ends in hara. Ah. And it's to describe, yeah, there are multiple, multiple words with this. And it's almost like endless how we describe things based on the hara. Um, because in Japanese tradition, and to, even now we really truly believe this to be, whether it's scientific or not, okay, but in the Eastern cultures, especially in the Japanese culture where we have our own way of looking at Mother Gaia, the earthly matters, more from a Shinto perspective. Shinto is not, I wouldn't call it the religion. It's more of a ritual practice that's based on a seasonality. Okay. Um, so depending on which season you're in, spring, summer, fall, winter, you have different practices to invite the gods of the Mother Earth and the universe. And we have multiple, multiple gods. We don't have singular God kind of idea. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the Hara is where we consider right in the second chakra below the belly button. So if you want to know kind of a, the kind of a location will be about three, three to four fingers below your belly button, right in that center. That's where it's called Hara, H-A-R-A. And that is where we dis what we think in Japanese, the God's voices reside. And this is where your true inner wisdom will be speaking from. Mm -hmm. But what I found to be kind of like, I started to wonder why this wasn't being taught when I started to look at the spiritual world practices or people that are doing um, even chiropractic work or muscle testing, or they're doing all kinds of things. They're all testing things on their heart center. But heart center always chooses the louder voice. And the heart wants to just love you. Heart just wants to be compassionate. Heart's job is to be coherent and to bring you together, right? So um, when people are testing things like, say, supplements or foods or, you know, should I be contacting this person or should I be doing this? They will ask it at the heart center. And I started to, when I work with clients, I'm super intuitive. So I can just see it through the, the you know, Zoom lens or anywhere. Um, I can muscle test the person I'm working with. And I kept getting the different answer than this person that was saying. So this person will say, I bought this supplement. I read about it. I watched this summit or, you know, I listened to this guy's call on uh, YouTube. And then um, I think this is a great product, yada, yada, yada. Okay. And they would say, my, my heart said yes. But what I realized was it wasn't that person's heart that was saying yes to this product. It was this person's head that mm. was saying yes to it because intellectually makes sense to take this supplement, right? But physically at the Hara level, I was getting no because the body was screaming at me saying, please tell this person that we don't want to be taking this supplement or this person is taking at the wrong time or too much. Or, and so I would test the supplement itself and say, quality of the supplements, great. Most of the time, the quality was great. Mm. Not always. There's sometimes that I have to say this quality is not great. Okay. But what was happening was that the, this person needed to learn to ask the body, particularly your lower digestive organs, like small intestine mm. and the entrance into the large intestinal area. It's called ileocecal valve area. Okay. That's because small intestine absorbs 99% of what you eat. Okay. I'm going to say this again. 99% of the information your experiences, what's on your plate, the supplements you're taking, 
the um, energies you picked up, frequencies you were introduced to, um, whatever that is going on in your head. Everything has to get processed through your body and gets absorbed in your small intestine. Wow. So you need to test whether this is good for your physiology or not, not in your heart center or the mind that comes later. Mm. You can do those, but you've got to check it with your hara. And if the hara says no, it's worth it for you to listen to it. Even though your mind, your head will probably say, well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I read about this. This is great. I know my head says it's great. I, so-and-so's doing it and so-and-so lost five, 50 pounds. I must be doing it. <laughs> well, no, don't make the decision based on that. Absolutely. Make the decision based on what the Hara says. That's where the important voice comes from, right? Mm. The, you know, your, your work is all about really awakening people's voices. Yeah. And not only just through the musical notes and expressions through the, the music that the, you create through your vocal cords or instruments, but it's to really get a sense of what do you hear to express? Mm-hmm. We can't just ask our fifth chakra, which is the throat center, right? We talk about the throat center a lot or lungs or the diaphragm, but you've got to get a little bit deeper than that and say, what is getting digested? What is nourishing me? Is this turning into my energetic fields that will support me? Then that becomes a true voice. And I think that's when um, mediocre singers become amazing internationally known singers. Mm. It's that little difference. And it's, it's not really always about the technicality of it. There are a lot of beautiful, technically beautiful singers and beautiful um, musicians out there. They're technically amazing. But what takes them to the next level is that their expression doesn't just come from their vocal cords, but they come from the vibration of the lower chakras, from their bottom of their feet. They are vibrating through the bottom of their feet, from the earth, through the legs, up into their pelvic floor. Then they voice from the pelvic dome. Mm. Then that vibrates into the diaphragmic dome, and that's going to vibrate up into the palate of your mouth, that echoing sounds. That's what makes a difference. And we all know when we see just technically good singers versus singers that touch your heart, we know the difference. We do know the difference. And that's very much what I talk about when it, when it comes to voice and transformation in performance. Because you're right, what we tune into, and that, and that leads me to my next question perfectly, actually, because I was going to ask you in terms of, of music and, and singing voices and, and bands, what type of artists you're drawn towards for that reason? Because obviously we're all drawn to what speaks to us. So um, uh, yeah, what sort of music and uh, voices Mm. resonate with you most? You know, I just love that question because (laughs) I've been on many, many shows and, you know, most of them are just the health related questions, right? So it's like, what do I do when I have constipation? (laughs) But I love the fact that this is a great, you know, um, just a broad topic that you are bringing me to. And then it really um, resonated with me because yesterday you emailed me and said, you said that you might be asking this question. So I thought about it. And what I realized was that this is where maybe a little bit of the Ayurvedic stuff will come in also. But I love to live with the seasonality of life. So there's four seasons, you know, or some of us have a shorter spring, like I live in Colorado. So our spring is really, really short. If you blink, they will be gone and it will go into the summer. And then if you blink, the fall is gone, right? But I grew up in a society where four seasons are super important in Japan. We have a lot of language around it. And, but, so there's a, you know, obviously it's the spring, summer, fall, and winter of the year. But we also have our own uh, seasonality in our own bodies. And so we, we, you know, depending on how old you are, depending on how healthy you are, depending on where you are in your life, you might be experiencing the spring of your life, or you might be experiencing the middle of the summer heat inside you, or you could be experiencing the early fall where things are starting to um, 
you know, blossom into like fruits and you're not quite harvesting them yet. And, but they're not quite ripe yet, but the, you're starting to see that the, um, you know, apples are starting to uh, open uh, now open up by getting a little bit bigger or, you know, turning red. Right. So music is the same for me. Mm. And so when I stopped and thought about it last night a little bit, each different season of my life, I've been interested in many, many different kinds of music. And to just give you a background, I come from a total musical family. So my grandmother, my, my father's side, my father's an American, was an organist and also a pianist and also a piano teacher. And she was one of the first female uh, college graduates from Northwestern University for the music. So oh. it's top of the top music schools that you can go to in this country, in the United States. And then also my grandfather and my grandmother on my Japanese side was a biwa player. Biwa is a Japanese ancient instrument that has four strings and then uses these like a fan-shaped pick to, oh. to sing it. And it was used to actually sing the divine music, they call it. So it's the music that it's a poetry that's been passed on centuries, centuries and centuries. And it's a storytelling instrument. So that was my grandfather's uh, specialty. And he was, he was actually was a top three Biwa player in Japan. Wow, that's um, amazing. Recognized by the emperor, yeah. And my mother and father met through music. So my father was uh, started a um, choir in this church in Japan. And my mother... Um, joined and so on and so forth. And that's how they met. So there's a lot of music in my household. Music was always part of my life. I practiced piano. I learned piano for a long time. I got into singing for a, uh, a while during high school years. And my sister and I used to sing duet together. Oh. And our voices will match up so beautifully that we've won a lot of awards doing this. When, we're, um, when I moved to Minnesota, to Northern Minnesota from Japan, and my sister joined me a little later. And so any, anyways, the, those were some of my musical backgrounds. But what I would tell you is that when I moved to Minnesota, northern, northern part of Minnesota, where it's called the um, freezer box or you know, freezer box of the United States, basically it's the coldest part of the United States, Wow, um, tw 20 minutes from Canada, I was very, very depressed. And there wasn't just a lot of music. There was only one radio station that you can tune into that was like a music that played mostly heavy metals. Like okay. we're talking Guns N' Roses here, okay? Mm, okay. Um, so, and Metallica World. I and, like them though. <laughs> so I'm, I'd be rocking out, I'm fine. <laughs> so, you know, that's all I was exposed to, right? Yeah. And then when we were up there, um, it was a pretty depressing time. But my music teacher said, hey, they are actually doing Mozart Requiem oh. in the nearby town. And you two are the best singers in this high school. So would you be interested in joining this? There will be all old people. No high school people will be joining except you two. And we jumped on the opportunity. Wow. And we actually sang in Mozart Requiem. And so that was a healing process that, that I went through because you have to, it was like a Siberia. Okay. Mm. My, my school was like 20 miles away. Okay. In the middle of the woods, we were locked up with these foster homes that, that we had to live in. So it was a very depressing time in my life that I never want to go back to really. Yeah. But Mozart Requiem has actually helped me to heal. But then I moved to college and I went through, I went to, I moved to Colorado and I became like a very angry person, you know, just in a way typical, but 18, 19, 20, I was extremely angry at the world, angry at my family, angry at my parents for dropping me off in this country without a word of English. I didn't speak a word of English when I moved here wow. and to just leave me uh, to survive on my own. I was very angry. So that's when, you know, Rage Against Machines or, you know, like Nine Inch Nails, they spoke so deeply to me. Mm. So that led me to just dress all in black, you know, combat boots. I started going into the mosh pit and you have to understand I'm only 
five foot two. You're okay. so brave. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'd be at the edge. And, you know, I weigh like 45 <gasps> kilos. Okay. So I'm a tiny person yeah. in the mosh pit. But, and then that got me to doing things like, you know, I got into ska big time. I yes. got into wow. major ska. Uh, so I will be in the mosh pit with the people with the ska, uh-huh. right? And in the house of pain, you know, jump around. I mean, I just, <laughs> I would just jump around till I'm totally bruised. Oh my. I liked it. I needed it. And now that I understand it better, you know, I look at that and I go, that's exactly what I needed to do, do so that the, I don't go out and hurt somebody else. Mm. But I'm in that space of mosh pit. And then what ended up happening was because I was small, but I was this feisty little girl, basically, was <laughs> everybody was calling me or this feisty little thing. Um, they all protected me. All these, you know, mosh pit guys with the colored hair, with the combat boots, and they're just punk, punk punky guys you yeah. know, they would all protect me they will wrap around me so I didn't get hurt but I could release my anger and so that was actually extremely helpful for me and now I understand I'm a um, trauma-informed practitioner mm-hmm. so I understand how the trauma gets stored in your cellular memory in your muscle tissues in your body that needs to get expressed through your physiology whether through exercise or whether singing or even screaming mm-hmm. or being in the mosh pit and for me that's what helped me to really move through my anger anger period that I went through that where I could have probably harmed myself or others, mm. you know, because I was that angry. And, you know, to to wrap it up with that idea, I was um, really desperate to know who I am in my voice. So coming back to my voice, you know, being the top of the class in Japan, going, you know, I was planning on going to the one of the best high schools in Japan and to get pulled out of that and told that the, you're going to the United States and you don't know any English, but good luck to that. That's how I basically came to this country, right? And I was thrown into English as a second language class. And, you know, I went from a top of the class to learning about furnitures, okay? Mm. I started to learn 16 years old. I'm having to learn this is a dresser. This is a chair. This is a beddings, you know, like, and then these are called forks and these are called knives. I mean, I was utterly... I can't even describe what that does to a human voice, okay? Because mm. I can't speak up about anything. No one understood me. I don't understand them. And I'm having to learn about utensils and furnitures at age 16, okay? Just as if I, as if I went through a stroke and I lost all my memories. But I am not dumb. I yeah. was not stupid. But people treated me as if I was stupid, Right. And, that's and I'm sorry, I'm tearing up. No, but that's, if that's that's how I felt. Right. Whether they meant it or not. Um, it's a tough country here. You know, I'm, I'm going to speak as an immigrant in the United States, especially in late 80s into 90s. They did not give you a break. OK, mm-hmm. that if you didn't speak English, you know, they would just tell you, we'll go back to where you come from. Right. So um, there's a lot of racism that I experienced in Japan and in this country, in the United States, as half Asian, you know. Mm. So um, my voice, my, my voice was stifled and it was um, pretty much stepped on, you know. And that's why I think I was so angry and uh, moving through uh, mosh pit really helped me. And then, yeah. And then after that, uh, I met an acapella group. Uh, it was all African-American women, and it was called Sweet Honey in the Rock. Sweet, mm. sweet, sweet Honey in the Rock, actually. And I didn't have money to go see this group. I, I read about them, and I researched because I was so desperate to find my own voice as half something, half white, half Asian. Where's my voice? There's a lot of voices coming from Asians. There are a lot of voices coming from African-Americans. Um, there, but there's not enough voices coming from people who hold two nationalities yeah. and people hold two different, distinctively different race. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. And they just aren't a lot of voices. So when I was desperate and learning about where do I belong, who do I belong, what, what am I, who am I, I came across this group. 
and one of the main uh, the the person that started this talked about the third place. She said that her voice comes from this place called the third place. And her name is Bernice Johnson Regan. She's uh, 78 years old now. I have been in touch with her many times because I've thanked her over the years for giving me this third place voice. What she said was that you must straddle. You must step onto the culture that you come from and the culture that you're living. And you do not get completely blended into one or the other. Mm. But you choose to stand in this third place that you can straddle two worlds. You can see both worlds. You can uh, take in the good and learn about the bad and the ugly. And then you process it through you and you create this third place. And that's where she sings her music from. And so I actually signed up as I didn't have money to go see them. So I signed up as a little security guard. So I wore a giant t-shirt with a yellow t-shirt that says security guard as a five foot two fit, you know, 45 kilo person. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I went to the back, back, uh, what is the backstage and mm. met them. Oh, wow. And I cried with her and I, I <sighs> thanked her. I gave her the paper that I wrote. And so to answer your long, long yeah. questions about the music, it's a season of your life. Mm. You know, would I, would I have found her in the, um, the acapella group if I had not been in the mosh pit releasing my energy, my anger? Mm. Would I have had the space in me to accept music like this or a message that this person was writing about the third place as her, your own voice? I don't know. But I think, you know, just to me, I'm interested in just about every music, even country music. There's a beautiful stuff. Country music is like a poetry sometimes. Yes, you know. it is. Mm, so I will stop yeah. right there. Sorry, no, that's wonderful. Along, I mean, but, mm. It's 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 surprising. I don't think I could have uh, um I could have imagined someone least likely to be in a mosh pit. So I'm impressed beyond belief because I've been to some uh, some hairy scary gigs in my time and festivals and things and uh, if oh, yeah. it, when it gets to the place of it being really raw at the front, I will move away <laughs> to the sides and watch because I just don't want to be, I don't want to be injured, but it, it, it is, it's primal when you see it in the flesh in terms of just the, re- like you say, for releasing anger, fantastic. And really, and you can yeah. see why that, it, that speaks to the youth of today to have so much aggression. Well, we music. need it. We mm. need it. And we cannot stifle that, that as a youth, you know, as teens, early twenties, even our, you know, we have to remember our frontal lobe of our brain doesn't fully get developed till you're about 25, 26 years old. So until that time, we really need to understand that the these younger generations need to express themselves. And we are not allowing that kind of space. You know, we've actually um, started to put them be in front of the screens, always mm-hmm. carrying the phone around. You know, we need to put those things down and we actually need to go and express ourselves through singing out loud from our Hara center mm-hmm. and to jump around and bump up against each other and, you know, sharing our own vibrations and whatever reason you're in the mosh pit doesn't matter. It for me was truly so much better than let's say if somebody told me, hey, here's a mindfulness practice <laughs> and you need to sit on the me- you know meditation cushion and stare at the wall. I would have probably just yeah. decided that, you know what, life isn't worth living. But the mosh pit made me feel it was worth living. And, you know, just a little side note, I actually went to University College London for a year on a scholarship. Oh, yeah. And um, I lived in Camden Town. And I loved Camden Town, as many of you know. It's just a crazy little place, right? Not mm-hmm. even that little, but it's yeah. truly fitting to who I was. And right by the Camden Town tube station, you know, there was this, uh, it's still there, I think. It's like an underworld, underground um, place that they always played punk music. So I would go do some uh, interesting rave kind of a thing. And then um, I, on the way back, I'll get off the tube and then I'll just go do a last minute of a punk music, you know. Amazing. Um, And at the same time, um, since I come from a classically trained parents, my my father in particular, I 
I remember I couldn't afford to sit in the theater. So I just stood in the back where the cheap tickets are like five, five quid Mm. and I can stand and watch. And I watched the um, American African-American opera singer, Jesse Norman. I don't know, you know, Jesse Norman. Okay. So I watched her. uh, Wow. So opera singing, that kind of a, you know, large theater singing where she has the voice that doesn't even require a microphone. Yes. Okay. Big voice. So yeah. I, I, you know, so when you ask me what kind of music is it just about everything you can imagine as well as lullabies from my hometown that's been sung for hundreds of years. I, I often will hum that mm. and it's a minor key tone. So, you know, it's a very kind of a sad lullaby. But it really soothes my soul and my spirit. And I also love some Okinawa music. Um, I'm from the Southern Island. I'm not from Okinawa, but the Okinawa music influence is, you know, definitely there where I grew up. So um, some some days I just just listen to Japanese music for like six hours at a time. And I just be singing out loud in my own native language. I bet that is so beautiful. I'm going to have to, if I can find a link, I will add it to the show notes, listeners. So you can click on it and go to listen to some beautiful sort of traditional Japanese singing. It crosses over, doesn't it? There's lots of crossovers in different cultures of, of listening to your own intuition and tuning into yourself. But I don't know if there was any, any sort of strong advice you might hold on if people are feeling disconnected, what do you find most helpful? Well, I think the theme has been weaving in and out of this whole talk. You know, we've been weaving the tapestry together, but there's a one major thread that comes through with what we've been talking about is really this coming back to the season mm. of you as well as the seasons around you. But if you are buried in the screens, okay, And if you're just indoors all the time, you are going to get disconnected Mm. from your inner body as well as the external. So it is so important as in the Northern Hemisphere, we're going into the spring much more and things are starting to bloom and the birds are starting to come out. It's just, we can all feel the difference. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, you can also feel the changing in the seasonal changes with the leaves of the colors are starting to change. And this is the harvesting time is the fall down there, right? So it's to not get so disconnected from where we all come from. Not only we're stardust, that um, stardust does not mean that we shall only look upwards and into the skies, but the stardust have fallen on this earth and we literally shared the earthly matter within our own bodies. So it's to combine to know that the, you are always supported between the heaven and earth and you are always suspended between these two forces. Mm. And that's been the probably the, uh, the same topic or the, the threat that all different traditions have talked about all different, whether that's a Chinese medicine or that's traditional Japanese kind of a medicine or whether that's acupuncture or whether that's even Ayurvedic practice. You know, the Ayurvedic practice is really all about bringing you back to the seasonality of where you're at. Mm. And, but, you know, I think this is where it gets a little bit complicated is that not only you have to be a little bit more aware of the seasonality around you, but so many people have immigrated and migrated, right? So um, we don't always know where your true seasonality comes from in your body. So I'll give you an example of growing up in the most southern island of Japan called Kyushu Island. And I'm from the, the place called Kumamoto. And it's subtropical, okay? It's really, really hot. In the summer, it's unbearable. And the humidity of 90-some percent, right? And we have the rainy season that goes on for 30 days straight. And I remember as a kid, I dreaded, and I told this to my husband the other day, I said, you know that I dreaded living in that climate almost eight to nine months out of the year. Eight to nine months out of the year, I hated living there. Mm. 
because it went against my own constitution. Mm. So your inner constitution is very, very important. It isn't just based on the location you live in currently. But where do you come from in terms of your ancestors Mm. and where do you come from? And this is where, you know, I don't like to use the word, like I said, woo woo, (laughs) but this is where I'm going to bridge it to the other side of the spirit side is that where do you come from in terms of your karmic life? Where do you come from in terms of your past lives? They all matter. Mm. And I have a past lives that have traveled across the world. Um, Some have actually been to Africa. I have multiple from Japan also. And I also contend with the fact that this time around, my father was as white as he can be, okay? He was a tall white man, blonde, blue eyes, and his background was Norwegian, Finnish, and German, and a little bit of French, okay? He was so white, that he probably shouldn't have lived in that um, town that the week I grew up in. He moved there to be a, an English teacher out of all the <laughs> teachings. He became an English teacher um, who did not teach us English oh. as kids. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, so I struggled with that weather just like my father did. I have two other siblings who did not struggle with that temperatures. They did oh. not struggle with that kind of a climate. Yeah. But I am... Very much, I've picked up a lot of my father's genes. Mm. And so it was a torture for me, eight to nine months out of the year, because I would just sweat. And the Japanese girls don't sweat, trust me. And I I had a curly, strawberry blonde hair. So my hair will be a size of a, God knows, like I'm, you know, just giant head (laughs) of the halo effect of the curly hair. So... You know, it was really hard for me. And then when people say to me now, where do you like to live the most? And I say to them, I love the dry climate of the Colorado the most. I think I found what works for my inner seasonality. You know, so that's where you have to do a deeper investigation into who you are. Um, What's your constitution? Do you do well with humidity? Then go towards humidity. My sister actually lived in Colorado for a while and she didn't do well. So she moved to a place that's much more humid and she's happier, happier there. But I would not be happy where she lives because it would just make me go crazy. Okay. Um, So it just depends, you know, and then my brother loves living in the hometown that we grew up in. He ended up going back there after years and years of not being there. And he loves the heat. He can't wait for the summer heat to come when it's 105, 110 degrees with the humidity. He loves it. Don't put me there, you know. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm not built for that. You can yeah. see from my pale complexion, right. my, my relatives are English, Scottish, So I Irish. hope that roundabout way I answered your question. <laughs> you Find your constitution. Thank you don't, so don't let other people tell you this is where you need to be, or this is what you should eat. This is who you are. Know that answer must come from your inner voice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's such a massive takeaway. Okay. Here it is. What is vocal freedom to you? Mm. What is vocal freedom to me? Okay, it's one, being able to speak your deep inner truth without getting censored. And even though it may go against what is seen as normal or common or acceptable. And what I mean by that is especially in the world that I work in, which is the spiritual world and the healing world, we tend to um, be expected to be always extremely compassionate and loving. But sometimes what the client needs to hear from me is not about more hand-holding and lovey, huggy, um, soft, delicate way but what they need is it's not working for you and you need to change course Mm. 
Mm. And what you've been doing hasn't supported you or worked for you. And to be able to say that um, still from a compassionate place and knowingly I might get the arrows thrown at me, you know, that I'm the messenger and I get often shot at. But even though I get shot at and I get arrows thrown at me for speaking the truth that I have known and learned and over 20 years of working with clients that will definitely help this person individual they will resist it and I will feel their resistance being thrown at me I still will stand firmly in my inner deep knowing and wisdom to still say it um that's yeah that's the voice that's the that's the answer to what that is said. the answer. That is the answer. And it's the best answer. It so speaks um, of what I sensed in you when I first saw you speaking and that you are embodying your complete vessel. And uh, you can see you can feel I don't know, I feel comfort when I speak with some people that really know themselves. And mm. it almost like you can feel a little like the energy's off if someone is isn't in that place. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that intuition and and uh, I think just you know what Masami you're owning being an intuition healer expert person that's not the right description of your voice I'm so sorry if you're no it's okay that's it's good the, no health health intuitive I think that that as a description is perfect but it's nothing I've ever heard anyone call themselves before. And so that also makes me feel therefore it is true because you're not trying to conform to a box or a label that someone else has, has already invented, you're just being your true self, which is, it comes yeah. across. And that's why you resonate with so many people because mm-hmm. we don't see it. We see a lot of people who aren't being, mm-hmm. uh, especially our world leaders, don't even get me started, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, yeah. <laughs> especially with the people that are supposedly running everything, we don't look at them and think we're hearing the truth anymore, do we? No. And, you know, I coined that term because I was really struggling with it. And I was labeled all my life as all kinds of labels, right? When you're mixed blood, you just get called all kinds of things. But I didn't want people to label me and say, oh, are you a medical intuitive or a medical medium? And I said to them, no, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the health of the person. And the word health stands for wholeness. Mm. Okay, so the origin of the word health comes from wholeness. I'm interested in the person's whole history, whole background, the what they've been through and what they've tried and failed and what has um, made them stronger and what made them stand up today. Um, I'm interested in all that. And we can truly heal ourselves. That is a guarantee. We can all heal ourselves. Whether that will turn into a permanent curement, whether you can be permanently cured is another matter because Mm. that involves your daily practice, which is the word diet means. Diet means your daily allowance, daily practice, what you do for yourself every single day. Diet has nothing to do with the strict Mm. things, you know, do this or that or this ism or that ism or that another dogma. But it's truly what do you do for yourself every day? That is going to lead you to um, the direction towards really getting to the cure of what you've been experiencing. But the healing is available to all of us. And there is such thing as spontaneous healing. There is such thing as spontaneous awakening. Mm -hmm. But what you do after that is always up to you. And that's the part that I speak loudly about. I don't talk about, yes, you can heal yourself. And, and you know, here's your little um, three steps to spontaneous healing. That's not what I'm interested in because healing is guaranteed. We can all do that. But whether you can get to the actual causes and the core of why you became so ill in the first place, that requires you to do your part daily, daily work. And that's where I speak up about. And a lot of people, not a lot of people, but let's say people who are not used to the way I speak will find it. Whoa, you know, she's not gentle enough or whatever, but you know what? Life is short. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time to just do the fluffy feather work anymore. (laughs) 
Yeah. So that's not what I'm interested in. Yes, that's right. I'm absolutely with you on this one because it is, it's it's like when people come to see me about voice, if there's a, a kind of a blockage or something locked up in that person, if then, if they're not prepared to let it go, the voice isn't likely to change. Do you know what I mean? So it's a similar thing, isn't it? It's like you can't, that's when you go, well, we can't help everyone because some people just don't want to be helped or they're just stuck yeah. in their state of numbness or what, or their routines of um, not mm-hmm. really. I think this is what I see is, is there, there are so many distractions now. There are so many things to keep us from tuning into ourselves. I think that's a lot of the reason that we're so disconnected and, and taking it back to seasonality and, um, you know, for me having a dog for the first time in my life for the last two and a half years taking the dog out on the walk and taking in the trees and the park and the uh you know even the air is um so so much more important in my daily practice than it used to be when you don't have a dog you don't have a reason to go for a walk unless you know what I mean it's like unless you've got somebody who's like come on but now it's like I have no excuses. <laughs> I have to take no, the you don't. Out. And you know, we need to take we need to take our hearts yeah. for a walk. We yes. need to take our large intestine out for a walk. We need to take our, you know, liver and gallbladder out for a walk. You know, so even though you may not have a pet that would like to go for a walk, <laughs> I say take your internal organs for a walk. That is perfect. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Yes. And take your, you know, take your lungs out for a walk because yeah. that's where truly when you become using your, you know, voice as your musical instrument, you really need to work on your lung capacity as you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So take your lungs out for a walk and go on a steep hill one hill once in a while and Take yourself through this beautiful breathing techniques and strengthen your diaphragmic mu- muscles. Mm. So, um, yeah, it, it's there are so many ways to express who we are. Even I can see the expressions of people I come across when I'm going for a walk. So, mm. in fact, I went for an hour speed walking before I got on this call with you. And I can see some people are just dragging themselves and you know, some people just feel like oh, I got to do this because my doctor told me so, or, you know, my wife told me that I need to go for a walk. You could just kind of, I'm so intuitive. I'm picking up on what, why they're going for a walk, wow. you know? And I just, I go for a walk because I'm alive. Yeah. I go for a walk because I get to go for a walk. Wow. 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 Yeah. Right. There's so much to be wow about. And I think if you could be in the awe, more often than not, mm. that's when you can become this amazing musical instrument that you are. Wow. Oh, amazing. Oh, my goodness. Right. I'm going to wrap it, though. <laughs> so please, <laughs> please tell our listeners uh, what you've got coming up with some of some more work that we, they might be able to get involved with. Are you doing more with the awesome. Shift Network or is this more for you? Oh, the Shift is, yeah, Shift is going to, I just did an interview with them. So they will have a summit coming up mid-April. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Intuitive Medicine Summit. Fabulous. And then, um, and if, for those of you that are interested in what I do, you could just go to my name, masamikavi.com. Simple, simple, masamikavi.com. And um, I have two really cool, um, like, classes or courses that are coming. I'm super excited. One is the Art of Embodied Boundary Practice that's going to open in mid-April. And we're going to go through court, uh, different stages and different ways to cultivate how to do the muscle pra- muscle testing, but also practicing the boundaries, like what's yes and what's no for your inside and outside and to upgrade your boundary practice. Because I think so much of a boundary practice is really outdated and it's all been about um, how to say no to vampires or energy vampires. And I'm saying you know what? We got to start saying yes to a lot more things now. So that's that's one course. And the other one is, um, this is long and coming. A lot of people have asked me to do this course. I've been really resisting it. But I finally said yes to it. It's called Breaking Through Weight Loss Resistance. Ooh. And it's all about the alchemy of receiving and releasing. 
And we, it's a five week course. It's all live. And I made it so that the, all of you guys, Europeans <laughs> and UK and Irelanders, you guys could all join because it's not in the middle of oh. the night for you guys. Is there anything you know now that you wish you'd learned sooner? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Seriously, I'm supposed to answer this top, in two minutes. Top three. <laughs> three. Top three. Oh man. Oh, number one. Gosh, I've just got to love myself more. Yeah. Like, oh man, how come I, I went through decades of hating myself, removing myself from the equation, wanting to you know, separate myself away from what this is, the life. Um, never, ever want to do that again. Mm. Never. And I have learned to apologize to myself. That's oh, definitely one. That's big. Mm. That's a biggie. Uh, apologize. Yeah. And I've been saying I love you also to myself, but apologies has been a big one. Other thing is to be a lot more in tuned with your natural hunger. Okay. And that's extremely important for somebody like me that went through eating disorders for almost two decades and totally suppressed my own inner hunger. So I couldn't feel my own third chakra. Mm. So third chakra is extremely important for your self-esteem and self-knowing and the direction in which you want to move your life towards. Um, so my third chakra was shut down because I shut it down. I didn't want to feel hunger. I wanted to feel pain, but I didn't, I, I actually looked for that hunger pain because that was the only feelings I could feel for a long mm. time. Right. But to really get back in touch with my own inner hunger. And what that means is that pay attention to when you're eating. Why are you eating? Are you eating because you're bored? Are you eating because it's just something to fill in the void? Mm. Why are you eating? Are you eating because you are hungry for life and you're hungry for something that will nourish your body? Then eat it, mm. you know? So have a little more connection with your somewhat animalistic nature of who you are and stop you know, writing it off like, oh, you, I'm not an animal nature. I am beyond that. Oh, BS. Mm. Okay. You are this animal that is meant to feel hunger. So that's something if I had known early on, I wouldn't have tortured myself for that many years. And the thirdly is to, there's a couple more things, but the one is basically, I really live by my name now. And a lot of people that change their names and not a lot, but some people change their names and whatnot. But the name that you were born with has a message encoded in there. There's a vibrational frequency that is coded inside that was meant to teach you something. And my name is Masami, but Masami means truth. Masami means capital T truth. Wow. That's what my mother named me as. And she always said, I don't need you to be beautiful. I need you to be truthful. I need you to find your truth. And that was a giant, giant topic that I had to face over and over. What is my truth? Mm -hmm. And so all of us, we have meanings behind our names. So I say, find that out sooner than later. And don't ignore your name. Find the truth. That meaning behind your name. So that's my question to you, lastly. Yes. What your name means? I think I've looked this up before, and Lee means something like valley or something. It's it's something to do with um, an upside down dome instead of a dome that way. <laughs> I don't know. It's something to do with oh, valleys, but, I think. But without the valleys, valleys, yeah. Do you know the world that you live in? Mm. It's just flat, flat. noise. Yeah. Just noise. The vocal cords creates those valleys, right? Mm -hmm. That's what makes the music. That's what is what the sound becomes music. So you are already well on your way to be <laughs> what you're doing Thank because you're you. teaching people to have the valleys. The valleys are the pianissimo, right? The, the, mm. the, the small voices inside you. Without the valley, you don't get to look up into the, fort, the, the louder sounds, right? Yeah. Um, that's what you're teaching them. 
contrast. That's what you're teaching them, how to notice the contrast in your own expression of your voice. That's wonderful. It's not not always anger, but it's not always love either. Mm. Okay. It, it It can be the cry for help. And it could be the cry when you cry with another person because you just love that person so much. You can't help it, but the tears come down. Yeah. Right. That, that's what you're teaching. There you go. You're living it, girl. Oh, thank you so much. Your wisdom just lands and it just fills me with light. I thank you so much. I think the, um, the connection hopefully will be one we can share again. I would love to see you again. And I'd love to see, you know, on your, on your another course that you do, I will definitely um, put all the links and everything uh, on our show notes. So hopefully some of our listeners will want to join too. Um, but I'm very interested in the in the five-week uh, one that's coming up. So that one starts in April, May? That starts on May 5th. May 5th. So mm-hmm. it's easy to remember, and it's uh, five live courses. They're all recorded. You don't need to show up on time. But for you guys in Europe and UK and Ireland, yeah. it'll be a perfect evening time. So oh, Wonderful. Thank you so <laughs> much. Oh, my goodness. I could I could keep going, but I mustn't. I must let you get back to your day and uh, start my evening. But it's been so wonderful. Thank you again. Thank, Thank you, you for so much for inviting me. Oh, I so appreciate it. Yeah, let's pleasure. stay in touch. We will. Thank you so okay. much. Take care. Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom, feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links, and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.